0: Recorded live. Well, here we are again for another session of the Focus Society of Overachievers, episode number 371, 371 weeks. Enjoying uh, being here. My name is Chuck Bartok. I live in beautiful Northern California and uh, have been, enjoyed a, a full life, a wonderful family, uh, success in business, and failure in business a few times. <clears throat> But uh, my lifestyle was pretty much set by a book that I started reading as a freshman in college called Think and Grow Rich. That led me to some other books, Charles Hannell's The Master Key, who actually was a mentor to Napoleon Hill. And then uh, that trail followed me all the way back to a book written in the 1880s by a gentleman named Orison Sweat Marden, M-A-R-D-E-N, called The Miracle of Right Thought. And uh, all of these books seem to tie my early youth education, uh, my grammar school and high school times. So these books seemed to tie that which I was taught together, <clears throat> kind of wrapped it up. And uh, the end result was the fact that I learned at an early age that, uh, and with the help of my parents who were very encouraging, that we as individuals have the power to do just about anything we want to do. Could be good, could be bad. Kind of depends on the moral value that you're structured on. (coughs) But I never had (coughs) a personal problem (coughs) of feeling inadequate (coughs) or unable to uh, carry out (coughs) an idea that I had, however crazy it might be. (coughs) And uh, so... It's amazing that these books written so long ago have an impact today. Now, there are a lot of great new books written on self-improvement and self-analysis and so on. Uh, However, what I've noticed in most of the books written in the last, oh, since the 50s, you might say, and through the 60s and up until today, they seem to leave out... Uh, an element that the earlier books seemed to emphasize, and that was man's relationship with his creator. Uh, so, the I my interpretation of many of the new books are more egocentric. Uh, we all know that uh, you can't you find it. It's very difficult to succeed if you're driven by ego. Most success and the successful people that I've had the privilege of meeting in my life, uh, were people that were devoid of ego. Now, you have to understand the semantics of the word ego. Um, yes, they were proud of their position, and the way they felt, the, the thought process that they had, they were pleased with it. If they weren't pleased, they'd change it. Uh, but most successful people that I've met became successful because they were driven by the motivation of doing something better, helping people, believe it or not, coming up with a better product, coming up with a better idea, a better concept to help others. And if that's the primary motivation, you'll typically find that those people will succeed and uh, the money follows. It's, it's I know it. A lot of argument, a lot of discussion. People say I'm full of crap, and that's okay. And these are my opinions. And I'm reflecting my life based on my life experiences. And I have not had an easy road. I haven't had a, a straight-up uh, graph to get there. We've had a lot of hills and valleys. Uh, at my age today, uh, I wished today. I wished. But if you wish in one hand and crap in the other, you'll find out which one gets filled first. But... Uh, There were things that could have been done better. There there are things that I I could have. But you see, I don't spend my life worrying about could have, should have, would have. I only focus on what is coming today because right now is the only time I have to control. I can't control tomorrow because as many of our friends in the United States found out a week ago, a week or so ago, when a, a terrible storm hit the East Coast, Whatever they had planned for that week was totally shattered by a, a force beyond their ability to control. So actually the things that I focus on are right now, what we're doing right now at this very moment. And I hope that I do a good job. I, I don't hope, I, I expect to do a good job, in sh- in this case sharing with people who are interested My concepts and the discussion of a book that was written in 1938 that I have found very interesting. I see we're joined this morning by Gerara King, a brilliant young man who is doing what we talked about. He has a belief, and he's not afraid to express his beliefs, and he puts it down on paper and gets it published. Now, when you read Gerara's books, it doesn't mean you have to agree with him, but at least you have an opportunity to, currently in this country, to have the freedom to read what he writes about. Who knows how long that freedom will be here? Because as we're finding out in discussing the book Outwitting the Devil, written by Napoleon Hill in 1938 and published in 2011, the devil's been doing a pretty good job. Now, he was doing a darn good job in 1938, and when you read what the devil has to say... You'll find out that, and if you reflect back where this country is today, you'll find out that he's done a hell of a job lately in getting his way. And the reason he got his way is that the multitude of people are drifters. The multitude of people in this country today do not think for themselves. They're lazy enough to let other people think for them, and consequently... They're being led to enslavement. Ten years ago, five years ago, and today. It's going to become greater. We will have more enslaved people in this country than we had 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's my prediction for the next four or five years. We're going to have more people enslaved in this country than there was during the Civil War. Of course, there's more people today. We've got a bigger population to drive from. I posted on social media this morning that the topic would be discussion of education, and on pages 174, the devil starts to talk to Napoleon Hill about how he controls education, how easy it is, and so on. And what, obviously, the the intent here by Napoleon Hill is to find out what we should do to change it. The devil said, when Napoleon Hill challenged him, uh, describe the changes needed as they come to you. The changes needed in the system. And the devil's first point was reverse the present system by giving children the privilege of leading in their school instead of following orthodox rules designed only to impart abstract Knowledge. When you read these words, most people glance over them. But abstract knowledge. My thought was, well, that is compared to practical knowledge. Now, let me ask you: any of you listening today, tomorrow, in the future? By the way, drop me an email at chuckbartok at gmail dot com and put your thoughts down on paper. We have very few people. Gerard is on the call today. Um. Practical knowledge. How many people in school today, in high school, are taught anything that's practical? How are they taught skills that can be applied to live a rich and full life on a practical basis? Let instructors serve as students, and the students serve as instructors. That's a pretty, pretty bold statement by the devil. As far as possible, all, organize all schoolwork into definite methods through which the student can learn by doing and direct the classwork so that each and every student engages in some form of practical labor connected with the daily problems of life. How about giving your students, to, to learn how to, to manage personal finance, how about in high school, giving students a checkbook with money in it? pony money. money. And, and, and I know that there are courses that do this, but it's not emphasized. It's not a major curricula part. The daily problems of life, yes. Every one of those kids in school today are going to suffer daily problems in life, believe it or not. I don't give a damn if you go to college. That isn't going to solve your problems, Joe and Mary. The biggest problem you're going to have is a debt that most people would would choke at 20 years ago. I've said it before. How in the hell did a guy like me get a degree from a major university in four years without an ounce of debt. I'll tell you how. I worked during school, the four years, and I earned enough money to pay my bills, and I was taking 20 units. How did I do that? That was my focus. That's what I did with my time. I made it Productive. And I'm not the only person, by the way. I, I, I don't have any great uh, uh, skill. All of my roommates, all of my peers were doing the same. There were a few of them whose parents were helping them uh, in a major way. But the majority with the guys and the gals I hung out with were working their butts off. Ideas are the beginning of all human achievement, the devil says. Teach all students how to recognize practical ideas, practical ideas that may be of benefit in helping them acquire whatever they demand in life. Teach the students how to budget, (laughs) there we go, this is the devil speaking, and use time. And above all, teach the truth that time is the greatest asset available to human beings and it is the cheapest. And that time is what you have right now. What are you doing right now to benefit yourself and others? Or I should say, what are you doing with your time to benefit others which automatically benefits you? We all have the same amount of time. I love people who say, I don't have the time. You know what? We all have the same number of minutes per day. It's what we do with those minutes, what we focus, what we act upon. How we accept the challenges that are given to us at that time and don't put them off. Handle the challenge now. Teach the student the basic motives by which all people are influenced. And show how to use these motives in acquiring the necessities and luxuries of life. Teach children what to eat. How much to eat. And what is the relationship between proper eating and sound health? Most of you have heard that I became obese over the past three years because of a change in lifestyle, and I let myself slide. And I became obese. Yes, O-B-E-S-E. According to the charts, my weight put me in the obesity class, and I never considered myself I would ever be obese And when I realized that I couldn't do the things that I liked to do, and I found it very difficult getting up off my knees in the garden, and I found it laborious to bend over and tie my shoes, and I found my walks in the morning getting shorter and shorter. Isn't that interesting? Exercise is good, but, you know, it became a strain, so consequently I shortened my walks, which allowed me to become more obese. I decided in May of 2012 to no longer be obese. I already knew what to eat because I pretty much had a good diet in the past, a good food plan, but what I did is I altered my food plan, increased my number of meals a day from one to five, and designed a rigorous, yet practical, and no-cost exercise program. End result, here I am, six months later, down 32 pounds and 20 ugly fat inches. And I'm no longer obese. Now, today, see, I told you I knew what to eat. I just let, I know, in this case, I'm admitting publicly, I let myself go. It wasn't anybody's fault. There's nobody to blame for it. It wasn't my job. It wasn't my government. It wasn't anybody else. I personally made decisions to stop doing things that were to my benefit. And then I realized I can't continue to do that. But today, When I go to the grocery store and see what mothers with three or four children have in their food basket, I'm appalled. And these same people are screaming they can't afford. I mean, the cost of groceries. Ladies and gentlemen, groceries, good, solid groceries, groceries that are healthy in this country today is the lowest cost part of your life anywhere in the world. Ah, but guess what? In order to utilize these assets... In order to utilize the low cost quality food, you must invest some time and energy. My wife made a stew two, three nights ago. And we cut the meat into cubes from a large roast because the roast was relatively inexpensive. And we had about nine different vegetables primarily focused in the root vegetables, parsnips, rutabagas, turnips, uh, tuberous vegetables such as uh, potatoes, onion, squash. We had some above-ground vegetables, squash, cabbage, mushrooms. We put that all into a stew and let it cook all day. Now, I know what the relative nutrition value of that meal was, and it cost... For the two of us, and we still, well, we finished the stew last night. We, we literally had about 10 meals. I mean, that's two people, so five meals out of that pot of stew, which broke down our, our per, uh, per food, cost, probably $2, $2 per serving, $2 per meal. Teach children the true nature and function of the emotion of sex. Above all, teach them that it can be transmuted into a driving force capable of lifting one to great heights of achievement. And I refer you to Chapter 11 of Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. I do have Chapter 11 recorded. If anybody would like a personal copy of the chapter uh, in a narrated form that's quite easy to understand and listen to, drop me an email. There's no charge. ChuckBartok at gmail.com. Teach children to be definite in all things, beginning with the choice of a definite major purpose in life. I want to share with everybody listening today, tomorrow, and the future. A good friend of mine, Mark Janorowski, now living in Hawaii a fantastic motivator and a good trainer, and his his the basis of his system is founded on Think and Grow Rich, and that's where he and I bumped into each other many years ago. Mark is a wonderful, wonderful trainer. He has skill that I, I, I envy his skill in communication. He's going to have another session next spring. Every time he puts up a uh, a series of training, it gets filled very quickly. Uh, I'm going to suggest that anybody listening that's interested in learning more about the definite major purpose of life, which is something I hope everybody has and if you don't, I don't care what your age are, what your age is, go ahead and do it now. I did mine at age 17 and it hasn't deviated my definite major purpose in life. That is what the, that is the foundation of everything that I do. Go to best business mindset. Best Business Mindset and uh, the uh, bestbusinessmindset.com slash forward slash capital M for Mark, so capital M A R K, and then capital J. That'll take you to a page that says, Sorry, this false course is full. You have no obligation whatsoever. You're going to enter your name and email address. And what you're going to receive from Mark and Devine, his lovely wife, are are notices for the next three or four months, and you will be notified when the spring class opens up again. And Mark's total focus of his training is how to establish. He asks his students to write down their definite major purpose, not on a piece of paper, one sentence, but we're talking pages of written work, and they have to be handwritten. That's all part of it. That's part of the education system, which we're talking about right now. Here, Lori Polina is with us. Good morning, Lori.
1: Good morning, Chuck.
0: We're on page 175 discussing education. And I was, uh, the devil is telling Napoleon Hill what needs to be changed in education so he doesn't get power. The devil's giving us the secret. And one of the things, the sentence that we just discussed was teach children to be definite in all things, beginning with the choice of a definite major purpose in life. And again, I'll repeat. Go to bestbusinessmindset.com slash capital M-A-R-K capital J. Again, you'll be taken to a site that says, sorry, our class is full. There will be another one in the spring of 2013. Do it now. Don't waste time. Go right to that site. Put your name and email. There's no obligation. If you don't like the letters that Mark and Devine send to you between now and the next announcement of the class opening, and you're under no obligation to join the class, that's your privilege. That's your choice. That's your use of your free will. Fine. But I'll tell you what. The information that you will receive from Mark between now and then will be of benefit to you, and it is of no cost. Teach children the nature of and the possibilities for good and evil in the principle of habit, using as illustrations with, with which to dramatize the subject that everyday experiences of adults and children. These are the things that the devil feels need to be changed in our education system, none of which is being taught today. Teach children how habits become fixed through the law of hypnotic rhythm and and influences them to adopt, while in the lower grades, habits that will lead to independent thought. Not the constant regurgitation of pure pap. Teach children the difference between temporary defeat and failure and show them how to search for the seed of an equivalent advantage which comes with every defeat. You know, when we went broke farming, that opened up some new doors. It's funny that way. Teach children the difference between temporary defeat and failure. Teach children to express their own thoughts fearlessly, and to accept or reject at will the the ideas of others, reserving to themselves always the privilege of relying upon their own judgment. That's probably one of the most important paragraphs that we've read so far. I am so proud that my parents allowed me that privilege. I'm so proud that my grammar school teachers were of that philosophy, and so were most of my high school teachers. And, believe it or not, since I delved in the sciences, most of my science professors in college were constantly encouraging us to question and push the envelope. Just because somebody says that is a copepod, and this is another species of copepod, you don't have to accept that you should question how did they arrive at that conclusion could they be wrong so now you take your time to develop hypotheses and spend time researching the results and then you form an opinion of whether or not that is true just think what would happen if we would have done that politically just think what would happen if all the people eligible of voting in this country this last election actually applied that concept Teach children to express their own thoughts fearlessly. Don't tell your children don't talk about religion and and politics. That's garbage. Talk about what you want to talk about. Express their thoughts fearlessly and to accept or reject at will, their free will, not yours, at will, all the ideas of others, reserving to themselves always the privilege of relying on their own judgment, teach children to reach decisions promptly and to change them if at all slowly and with reluctance and never without a definite reason, one of the things that made Henry Ford famous, one of the reasons why a lot of people hated him, thought he was you know a miserable old coot, is that Henry Ford made decisions quickly. And he was the slowest guy in the world to change his decision if it wasn't going the right way. But, uh, you know, he kept the Model A in production for a long time when all of his advisors, all the everybody said, the market's changing, people want more luxury, people want this and that. Well, Henry Ford changed his Model A over a long period of time. It took him a while to do that, but the, the, the point was that he wanted to make sure that he had enough capital in his company since he owned the company, and it wasn't owned by stockholders. He had enough capital in his company to handle that transition instead of going off half-cocked. But he did make decisions quickly to go in one direction, and if as that was evolving, he was slow to change his mind because he believed in himself. That's that's the way to sum it up. Teach children that the human brain is the instrument with which one receives from the great storehouse of nature the energy which is specialized into definite thoughts, that the brain does not think but serves as an instrument for the interpretation of stimuli which causes thought. You know, a lot of people, I don't know, Laurie, what you feel about this, but a lot of people have felt that Napoleon Hill uh, defined the soul as the ability to think. Have you ever thought about that or do you get that impression?
1: I think he did uh, do that. Yes, I think the soul is defined by him as, as that area that we control um which is our thought base and that's really the only uh thing that we as human beings have control of so
0: mm-hmm. i you know it, it, it's funny how these little simple things that he talks about are so true today <laughs> this was written 70 plus years ago that's the other thing that's interesting This conversation with the devil was in 1938. And the devil is telling us what he feels needs to be done to change the education system so he is not in control as he is. And uh, everything that's being said here today is reflective of today's environment. Teach children the value of harmony in their own minds and that it is attainable only through self-control. Oh my God self-control, oh, we can't have that, teach children that there is a law of increasing returns, which can be and should be put into operation as a matter of habit, by rendering always more service, better service than is expected of them, oh, so powerful, those of you listening to this call today, tomorrow, and in the future, dwell upon that paragraph again. There's so many gems. By the way, if you don't have a copy of Outwitting the Devil, get one. Very inexpensive, $10, $12. Go to bestbusinessmindset.com devil, D-E-V-I-L, lowercase, devil. See what's available, buy a copy, have it shipped to your house. Read it not once, read it over and over again. Bookmark these pages. Write on it. Do whatever. Narrate it. Take recordings. There's some powerful stuff here. If you if you don't have children, and are thinking of them, or if you have children today and wondering why they're being why they're drifting, stop and think. What the devil is telling you is what needs to be changed, so that he doesn't have the power of the drifters. Teach children there is a, there is a law of increasing returns. As long as you've developed the habit of providing more and better service than is expected of them. When they go to work at that first job, don't just show up and punch the clock. Be like a Lori Polina and extend yourself. And you will be rewarded. This garbage that I hear about, that big businesses is, is, is oh, taking such terrible care of the poor people. Oh my God. You know what? People go to work for big business, and if they do their job right, they're going to be rewarded. Why in the hell should we reward people who are there half-assed? I'm sorry. This teacher's union, ladies and gentlemen, what's wrong with the education? Well, the devil didn't know about the teacher's union uh, then. But can you imagine somebody getting a job and not being able to be fired regardless of how good you are at it? And boy, do they scream bloody murder and say that your children's lives is at at the stake here if you don't bend to our rules. Well, they've sure done a great job, haven't they? When, what, 40% of the kids in some school districts don't even graduate high school, and most of them are illiterate today. Most of the children entering college today are illiterate, can't write a sentence with good structure, don't have a single personal thought in their own minds. I'm sorry, I'm on a rant today. Here here, here we go, another blockbuster, another blockbuster paragraph. Teach children the true nature of the golden rule. And above all, show them that through operation of this principle, do unto others. You would have others do unto you. Everything they do, and for another, they do also to and for themselves. Does that sound like gobbledygook, Laurie? Teach children not to have opinions unless they are formed from facts. My gosh, I you know, I was in a social context, social environment the other last week with a gentleman right after the election. And he made a statement to the group. He said, boy, I'm sure glad that, you know, the election's what they were so we didn't have to put up with uh, Romney who lied all the time. And I very, very quietly, I said, can you, uh, uh, interesting comment, can you prove to me one lie that Mr. Romney uttered? He looked at me and he said, well, what do you mean? I said, you just made a statement to this group that the candidate Romney lied all the time can you give me evidence of any of these lies he looked again and you could see that he was lost and I said well what lie are you talking about and he looked lost again because number one what he was doing is regurgitating something that he read or heard
1: So there's noise
0: in the background. What's happening, Gerara? You there, Gerara? Hello, Gerara. Here we go. How many millions of people regurgitated the same untruth? Because they're just repeating what they heard by some empty talking head. But it's interesting that... People that did the research in these debates and so on, Mr. Romney didn't make any lies. The other gentleman did. The other gentleman's been lying for four years. Who cares? Teach children not to have opinions unless they are formed from facts or beliefs, which may be reasonably accepted as facts. Teach children that cigarettes, liquor, narcotics, and overindulgence in sex destroys the power of will and leads to the habit of drifting. Do not forbid these evils, just explain them. Isn't that a new concept? You know, back in 1938, Napoleon Hill, I guess, wasn't too happy about cigarettes, liquor, narcotics, and overindulgence in sex for children. Oh, golly, I thought that was the kids' rights today. Teach children the danger of believing anything merely because their parents, religious instructors, or someone else says it's so. <laughs> What do you think of that statement, Lori?
1: I think that they should think for themselves. I think that we as parents have a responsibility to explain with good reason why we we believe or why we think what we think. But beyond that, I think they do have to be – left to draw their conclusions for themselves.
0: And because we've also instilled in their minds the uh, desire to seek the facts. Spend some time researching. Yes. And here we go. Teach children to face facts whether they are unpleasant or pleasant without resorting to subterfuge or offering alibis. Teach children to encourage the use of their sixth sense your intuition, your gut feeling, one of, the most powerful, one of the most powerful traits that we possess as human beings, the sixth sense, described very greatly in Think and Grow Rich, a whole chapter, read it, through which ideas present themselves in their minds from unknown sources, and to examine all such ideas carefully, teach children the full import of the law of compensation, as it was interpreted by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and show them how the law works in small, everyday affairs of life. Those of you that aren't familiar with the Law of Compensation by Ralph Waldo Emerson, I charge you, I challenge you to go get it. With the Internet today, it's easy to find out anything about what Ralph Waldo Emerson or any other host of good people wrote about. The Law of Compensation. Interesting teach children that definiteness of purpose backed by a definite plan back, backed by definite plans persistently and continuously applied is the most efficacious form of prayer available to human beings yes it is Definite of purpose backed by a definite plans by definite plans persistently and continuously applied is the most efficacious form of prayer available to human beings And if that uh, phrase kind of leaves you a little questioning, uh, give me a call sometime or drop me an email, chuckbartok at gmail.com, and I'll explain it further. Teach children that the space they occupy in the world is measured definitely by the quality and quantity of useful service they render to the world. You know what businessmen... Business people are. Business people are a group of human beings who dedicate their lives to serving others. Believe it or not. Now, some of them take the wrong path. You know, we can think of doctors and and clerics. You know, they're there to serve others. But how about people that enter into law enforcement, enter into uh, fire suppression? How about people who enter into sales? A car salesman, a good car salesman, makes money regardless of the economy because they've developed their clientele based on serving their clientele. And believe it or not, there's a lot of them around. The more you serve, the more you deserve, and the more you're going to get. Immediately, not sometimes, but it will be there. Each children, there is no problem that does not have an appropriate solution, and that solution often may be found in the circumstances creating the problem. That almost sounds like doublespeak, doesn't it? The solution is generally found in the circumstances that create the problem. I got fat. That's the problem. It's because of what I ate. Well, the solution is, what did I eat? The solution is, what did I eat and not get fat versus what did I eat and get fat? So if I eliminate the things that I ate to get fat, obviously I'm going to lose weight. It ain't rocket science. And I don't have to spend millions of dollars buying things that are supposed to do it for me. Because I have the free will to decide what I'm going to eat and as many times a day. I'm currently eating five times a day and it works out great.
1: And you, you're using a wonderful solid product. That's right. Which I got to go to um, a tasting event for the other night. What'd so you think? I actually I was surprised, Chuck, because I guess in my mind at first the the thing that occurs to me when I first think of of diet um, food or diet drink stuff uh-huh. is is oh that's that that. <laughs> Ugh, awful tasting stuff, and what I found last night was it was um, surprisingly very pleasant. <laughs> well, you know what?
0: I would sometime after this call, and maybe today or tomorrow, we we need to talk about that experience. Okay?
1: <laughs> okay. No,
0: I'm serious because because I, I I appreciate the fact that you had the opportunity, but but then you, there's always a hook, you know and and one of the hooks is i think those those parties are wonderful and it does give people like yourself the opportunity to be introduced but there, as you know there's a lot more to it
1: well right but this was this was a uh, friend of mine from church and uh-huh. and he just he's just starting out and Good. he he did the the Party. great yeah. invitation of hey you know i i just i need a favor would you just come try this out for me and right and, Instead of feeling like, oh, gosh, she's going to try to hook me into, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, well, gosh, I can do you a sure. Yeah, I can come try this thing out. I mean, gee whiz.
0: Well, you know, and I, I think if, if uh, I, I really believe, Lori, that, you know, when, uh, well, we'll talk later, okay? <laughs> we, we, we can, you know, yeah. this is not the time. to. So, but, no, but,
1: it's not. And I don't want to get sidetracked. Right,
0: right. but I, I'm glad that you had
1: that opportunity. I am as well because like I say it really surprised me from what I from what I preconceivedly had in my mind.
0: Right. Well see um, what you what it, you've developed is personally is an open mind over the years. Yeah. You know. I
1: I tried it out, I, I said, Well there's no harm in at least trying yeah. it. Didn't and cost
0: you anything but a little bit of time.
1: Yeah. There you go.
0: Teach children that their only real limitation are those which they set up or permit others to establish in their own minds. Teach them that man can achieve whatever man can conceive and believe. I love those IEV words. Man can achieve whatever man can conceive and believe. Teach children that all schoolhouses and all textbooks are elementary implements which may be helpful In the development of their minds. But the only school of real value is the great university of life, wherein one has the privilege of learning from experience. And finally, today, teach children to be true to themselves at all times. And since they cannot please everybody, therefore do a good job of pleasing themselves. Again, that goes back to one of the things before Lori and everybody joined us today, uh, I mentioned, is that if we every day can kneel down at our bed at the end of the day and give thanks for the opportunity and give gratitude for the opportunity of being here for another day and say honestly to ourselves, being born in the image and likeness of greatness, that we did a good job. I'm pleased with what I did today. And if you have some argument with yourself about what you did today, sit down at that time and draw up the plans so that tomorrow the same mistakes will not be made again. But first of all, give yourself praise for what you did right. Mention the things that you did wrong, but emphasize the things you did right. We have a population today that spends all their time and energy trying to be better at something that that, uh, they're weak in instead of elaborating and enhancing that which they're already good at. Because every human being born in this country around the world today have talents. They have talents regardless of what age, 40, 20, 50, 60, my age, in the 70s. We all have talents. Why do I want to learn to do something else today? Donate my dead. Devote my time and energy to become a mountain climber. I have no desire to become a mountain climber, number one. The desire has to be there. But I do have skills that I've developed over the years. And what I'm spending my time and energy doing is enhancing those skills. Because they're positive. They're the things that work. All I try to do is become better at it. And that's what a good business person does. They build that better mousetrap. They got a mousetrap that's selling well. A good business person is always working to make that mousetrap even better, coming up with the next iteration. How do you think Apple got to where they are? They're constantly, they're already working on whatever, I'm not an Apple person, but they're already working on probably three iterations above. Teach children to be true to themselves at all times, and since they cannot please everybody, do a good job of pleasing themselves, and that is not egotistical. I've never met a successful person, as I've said on this show, who had an ego. You don't need an ego to be successful. The lack of ego will allow your success to get there a little quicker and uh, probably be a bit more substantial. Well, Napoleon Hill tells the devil at this time, that's an imposing list, but it seems conspicuous by the fact that it ignores practically every subject now taught in public schools. Was that intended? Well, the devil says, yes, you asked for a list of suggested changes in public school that would benefit children, not public schools. And there wasn't one statement of that list, and that list is three pages long that is practiced in the school systems today, and that's why we have an enslaved population. That's why it's so easy for a handful of people to dictate how you live. And you know what? The less educated we are, the easier it is for them to do it. And Lord knows we got tons of college graduates today that are pretty much empty heads. They can regurgitate the pap that they were given. Now, there are pockets of sanity here. I'm not... I shouldn't say everyone, but the percentage of young people that I've talked to interviewed uh, that that are looking for employment they don't have anything to offer they don't have a, a, a single new thought in their head they don't know how to think
1: because they've been so many years taught to regurgitate past That's right Absolutely. they don't know how to i mean it's they don't know how to draw an accurate
0: conclusion for themselves if it hit them upside the head with a brick brick. thank you Lori that's true (laughs) I'm going to wrap up the next two questions and we'll come back next week some of the changes you suggest Napoleon Hill said to the devil are unorthodox they would shock most of the educators today and remember today is 1938 this was written in 1938 not any better today in fact it's worse The devil said, most of the educators today need to be shocked. A good sound shock often helps the brain that has been atrophied by habit. But you see, the one thing the school system didn't have then was this terrible organized union that allows the worst of teachers to stay at work. That's a shame. Would the changes you suggest for the public schools give children immunity against the habit of drifting? Those of you that listen to this today, tomorrow, and the future don't understand what drifting is, get a copy of the book, bestbusinessmindset.com slash devil, or listen to the past episodes. Yes, that is one of the results the changes would bring about, but there are others too. You know, the editor of this book, who found this manuscript, which was written in 1938 and just published last year, she makes the comment that she can't say that she agree with each thing in the devil's list. Well, I'm sorry, I do. However, when she stopped to analyze his list of recommendations, the question came to her mind. Isn't that what our schools should be teaching our children? The devil knew this, and we didn't. Sharon wishes Hill had thought to ask why our schools are what they are and where they are and what and where they aren't. A great scholar, the great scholars who designed our systems of schooling, must have realized the importance of at least some of what the devil professed our schools would be teaching. Why aren't the things of practical knowledge part of the curricula, she asks? Why aren't we teaching children how to manage themselves? Why aren't we teaching high schoolers how to manage life, practical life, day-to-day existence, how to figure out how to keep your automobile running, balancing your finances, establishing goals and having and developing the habits on how to get there? How could the original architects of what today is our compulsory education system been so far off target? The devil did not make the claim that the school system is one of his primary vehicles for creating his, uh, the devil did make the claim that the school system is one of his primary vehicles for creating and sustaining his large army of drifters. Now, I'm sorry, I agree with. I mean, she asked the question could it be? My answer is I believe that. I've watched since I've been in school, I went to school first time in 1947. I've gone through the system, graduate school, undergraduate school, high school, and so on. And what is here today is worse than what, and it wasn't too cool. I mean, I did have some great teachers through high school and college. When I went back to speak, later on, I looked out into the audiences. I talked to students. I've talked to students since then. We hire people, you know. We hire college graduates, or I did when I was active. And uh, it ain't the same. I don't know why. Well, I know why. Because if I want power, I have to have people that I can easily subjugate, and I can easily subjugate people who don't know anything.
1: Right. I
0: can't subjugate a person who thinks for themselves.
1: Right. You can't. The government can control. Uh, the government right now is able to control the the brainwashed mm-hmm. idiots, mm-hmm. kids that, that – paid thirty or $40,000, $50,000 to go to school to be, to be taught junk, to be, right. uh, to regurgitate PAP, and then wonder why when they come out they can't find jobs because the majority of them can't write.
0: Well, and practical people won't hire those kind of people because there's no benefit. There's no benefit to me as a business person to have to uh, instill an education in, in a 21-year-old who already went through this system. I don't have time for it. I want a person who can jump in and get going. Someone who believes in themselves. When I give somebody a task to perform, I expect it to be performed. And the better they perform it, the more they're going to be compensated.
1: That's right.
0: Hey, guys, it's the time tells me it's time for me to go. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Kamchakta. I'm sorry we didn't recognize you. You snuck in here in the back. Uh, We are here every Tuesday, 1130 Eastern till about this time, about an hour. We're discussing the book. Written in 1938, Napoleon Hill interviews the Devil. It was published in 2011. It was hidden from public because uh, the Hill estate and the foundation felt that it might be detrimental to his reputation because it's extremely controversial. If anybody would like a copy, please get one at bestbusinessmindset.com/devil. They're available new and used. It's a great read. Uh, I'm seriously thinking of narrating the book. I've got to get together with Sharon and the owners of the manuscript to see if I can get permission to do that. But uh, I thank uh, Lori Polina and Gerara King, the wonderful author, our, our good friend Gerara, who is usually muted. But, you know, five books published. When this young man, when we met him, he was just publishing his first book five, six years ago. Today, he has five books published, two of which are required reading in the philosophy departments of major universities. And guess what, guys? Gerard is not even 40 years old yet. But you know what? Gerard thinks. And he knows how to express his thoughts, and he isn't afraid to let people know his thoughts. And guess what? There's a group of people that want to read his thoughts. Conversely, con- Consequently, they buy books, and Gerard has a small, modest income. I want to thank you all for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Don't go out and have a good day because you know what? There really is no alternative. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye.